<laughs> My name is Brooke Bryan. It is December 7th, 2011, and I am in the home of Juanita, here to talk about her life and work as a quilt maker. Juanita, can you tell me your full name? I am Juanita Harris, or Juanita Shockey Harris. My maiden name was Shockey. Uh, I lived in, I was born in Ravenwood, West Virginia, out in the country. And uh, I had lived in West Virginia all my life until I was married, except two years we moved to Ohio and lived in Ohio. And that was my uh, seventh and eighth grade. I went to country school. And my birthday is the 9th, the 20th, and 1922 is when I was born. What are some of your um, earliest memories that you can think of? Do you do you remember what your home was like as a child? Do you remember what the landscape was like around your home? One of one of the homes you lived in. Well, my father worked for people, or else worked on a farm, and we had he had horses. We done all he done always work with horses. We had our own our own chickens and. Cows and and pigs. We bought very few groceries, and Daddy would go to town, and uh, he always brought us a little sack of candy, probably a dime's worth of candy. But that was a nice size sack, man. And we lived in just different different places. We lived. I remember two places we lived. We lived, and uh, he uh, he done farm work. I was born in the afternoon. He'd just come from out in the field and was putting the horses away. My mother went out to the clothesline to call him that she was in labor, that a baby was a coming, and it was me. And it was I was born in the afternoon. You had siblings? I had one sister. And so uh, I don't know. I think my aunt, her sister, come when I was being born because I was born in the country. Daddy went and got the doctor or went and the doctor come when I was born. Uh I remember that house, and I don't remember, but my sister was a little bit jealous of me because Mom put me in the baby in the baby bed that we had, and went. I think she hung clothes up stairs in the winter time to dry, and she heard me crying, and she come down to see what the problem was. My sister had bit my finger. Because she didn't, she was a little jealous of it. the baby. Got too much attention, and my mother's talked about that a lot. Did you have any farm chores as a child? We had to go shut the chickens up after we moved to another place where we raised. We had lots of chickens, 
and sold eggs. And we had, it was our job to go down and shut the chickens up of evening. And I was a little bit afraid because it was beginning to get dark. We washed dishes after I got a little bigger. The two of the two, us two girls washed dishes. Well, before that, we had another baby brother, and or we had a baby brother, and uh, when we lived at this house where the the chickens was, we had uh, two brothers. One baby was born, the last one. So I had a sister and two brothers. And it was a nice-sized family, my mother and my daddy. And was your grandmother around a lot in your childhood? My grandmother was there, but they they were old. They didn't come to our house as much as we went to to their house. And we had a horse and buggy, so we went in the horse and buggy to Grandma's about every Sunday. And I don't know why we went so much. She had... And we always had dinner there. And we went to church. They went to church. You know, we always went to church all our lives. And uh, we went to Daddy's uh, side of the family, some, but not quite as much as we did at Mother's side of the family. And your mother's mother, your grandmother, was a quilt maker? Yes, she piece quilts. She quilted. I don't know when she started so much quilting, but they used to knot quilts. And uh, I don't remember her until she, my grandpa died, and she lived with us for year, for several years. And she that was her job. She quilted. She piece quilts. And that gave her something to do. And she always washed the dishes. That was her job. After a meal, she she that she wanted to do something, so she washed the dishes. Well, we would dry the dishes, you know. And uh, it was good having her there. And she would tell us stories about about. Uh, Things that happened when she was young. We always liked their stories, and my grandpa would sit and tell stories, and we would uh, sit down in front of him and let him tell us stories. And it was uh, it was just an interesting life. We didn't have radio. We didn't have television. We didn't have games to play except maybe checkers or. Domino or something like that. And so the feed sack quilt that you have, your grandmother pieced that? She pieced it, the feed sack quilt, and it is mostly all feed sacks. But we didn't have we didn't have money to buy pieces. We daddy didn't make very much money back then, so we just used what we had and and uh, she had save every little scrap she had and use it. That's the reason the, the pieces are so small. We had made other things out of the rest of the quilt and after the rest of the out of the rest of the sack. And uh, so, how would the feed sacks come? What what were they like when they got there, and what would you do? Well, we mainly we got them after we lived where we fed a lot of chickens. 
and they were mainly chicken feed sacks that we bought chicken feed in. And uh, we would wash them and then pick out. Uh, well, we made dre- we made dresses out of them too. How big were they? They were a hundred pound sack, a hundred what would hold a hundred pound of, of feed. So they was pretty good sized sacks, you know, and it'd take a. Uh, it would take two to three to make a dress. Just depends on how fan, how full you made it, you know. If it was just kind of a little plain dress, two would do it. So your grandmother um, quilted, and she probably sewed clothes as well? She She didn't sew as much back then when she lived with us. But she always sewed, and... Uh, my mother made made her clothes. She always made her clothes. And your mother made your clothes too, probably. Sure, she made she made our clothes out of sacks or material. She'd order before school started in the fall. She'd usually order material and make us two or three new dresses to wear to school. Were there patterns that she used? How did she know how to fit you? I think she cut part of her, just made up, made her patterns, some of them. But later on, she bought patterns, and she made a lot of her clothes. And some of those clothes, some of your grandmother and mother's dresses are in the quilts that you have. Mm-hmm. So it's nice to look back at the quilts and see the dresses and things that we had made out of the material. So when you um, when you were young, um, quilting was kind of a community function? It was a community, yes. My mother, well, I was still, I was in school, but my mother joined the Ladies' Aid. That was a, a church organization. And so they would have of their monthly meeting, and they usually had a quilt in in the summertime to work on. Well, they always did at our house. I suppose they did a lot at the other houses. You know, they meet, would meet at different houses, and uh, they would have dinner. It was usually an all-day all meeting. They would come 10 or so and have dinner, and then they'd quilt in the afternoon. And I don't know what they done with the quilts, whether they whether they sold the quilts or whether they was for someone that was having the meeting and it was their quilt. I don't know. I wasn't uh, I wasn't there all the time, just once in a while when they met at our house. So they would put those quilts on frames? Just well, like my frame now, that's where my that's where my pattern, my frame pattern come from. I asked my mother, could I have her frame that Grandpa Shockey had made for her? She didn't have a frame, or she borrowed grandmother's or something, and she needed a frame. And he said, well, he Grandpa Shockey made her a frame and gave it to her, and she used it, and then. It was nicer than the first one. I still have my her frame up in the garage. Anyway, uh, 
my pattern come from, she gave me her frame, and it wasn't as big as long. Wouldn't quilt as big a quilt back then as mine were quilt. I don't know. They only had single beds in, to, or you know, just a regular bed, not a not a queen size bed or a king bed or nothing like that. So they didn't need as big a quilt. So you, the ones that they made were smaller than mine. And uh, my, go ahead. my husband said, well, after we, I brought her frame from down there, uh, he said one morning, it was after I'd retired, do you want to go in the garage and work on making some fr- quilting frames? And I said, well, yes. So we worked all day on my frames. And we... Uh, took the pattern from from their pattern and only made it a little different, a little bigger. And so I'm awful proud of my frames. We'd saw, he had sawed out and sand, and then we'd sand it and work on it. We was in the garage all day. That was a nice day to be working on something like that. So when the frames were, when there was a quilt on a frame, when you were around, um, the women, multiple women, would work on the frame together and talk, or yes, they worked on the on the frames and talked, and and I remember quilting on my mother's quilts. I I always liked to quilt. Wanted always wanted to sew. What's your earliest memory of sewing? Sitting on my daddy's lap making a doll dress. How'd that go? I sewed all the way around. It didn't have any hole to put its arms through or its neck through or its feet through. He helped me cut it out. My mother was a sewing eye. She was probably making a dress or something. And uh, I wanted to sew. My sister was a sewing. She had needle and thread and was a sewing. Mom was sewing on the sewing machine. And I wanted to sew. I was... I wasn't very big, so he helped me cut me a doll dress out for one of my dolls, and and he told me to put my needle down and go underneath and push it back up, and then go back down and push it back up, and instead of sewing to across the shoulders and down the sides, each side, and I'd have my doll dress done. I sewed all the way around it, so I had to. I had to do it over. But I remember sitting there and him telling me how to do what it was. And it was it was at night. We were sitting around a, a stove in the living room. I don't know. I think that's the first doll dressing I ever made. But we always had lots of doll babies to play with. Always wanted a doll every Christmas. And he usually got one. That's about all I got for Christmas was a doll and maybe some fruit and some nuts. And We never got lots of toys like the kids get today. We'd usually get one special thing. Sometimes we got clothes. So 
So as a child, you and your sister, you both made um, outfits for those babies? Oh, we put in our time sewing doll clothes. We In the summertime, we'd make us make the doll. We'd make us a playhouse in the corn crib or in the wagon in the in the shed or something. We'd make us a playhouse, and we always had scraps that we could sew for our doll babies. It was we'd clean out the brooder house and scrub it and make it all nice and clean, and then we'd build us a. We'd make us a dollhouse in there. Then when they got the baby chicks in the fall, they'd take our, we'd have to move out. And we even had the brothers to sew them a little. They liked to sew, too, because they were younger. They had to do what we wanted to do. <laughs> and it, uh, it was just, we had a good life. A happy life at home. Very happy. You spent some time with your grandmother growing up in the summers? I would go to my grandmother's and stay uh, maybe a week, maybe a two or three weeks. I enjoyed going to my grandmother. She was she was special. And I guess she thought maybe we was special or she wouldn't want the campus. Wouldn't have wanted us to stay. And she maybe we'd get a piece of material and she'd help me make a dress or that was after I was bigger and, and did know a little bit about sewing. She didn't keep us when we was little. We was big enough to help her in the house, but wash dishes and maybe sweep and do things like that for her. But we played a lot while we was there, too. How did you come across your first thimble? I didn't... She she got material for my dress. I think she paid a penny a yard for it. We'd walked to Morgan's one day. And she said, I couldn't sew without a thimble. I had to learn to use a thimble. So we went to Morgan's. We got come back... While we was there, she got me material for a dress. And she said, well, you need a thimble. So she bought me a thimble. And I was so really proud of it and got home. And she showed me how to put it on. I had to push, showed me to push my needle through the material with my thimble and I wouldn't gouge my fingers. So I've sewed with thimble ever with a thimble ever since. I hate to sew you don't even like sew a button on without a thimble. And uh, I still have it but it's got about three or four holes in the end where I've sewed so much with it 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 has holes in the ends of it. I've wore out several thimbles. So in school, you also had home economics. In my seventh grade, well, we moved to Ohio when I was in the seventh grade. That was 1936 when we moved to Ohio. Daddy was working for some man on a farm. And uh, so I went to the seventh grade and the eighth grade in a little country school in Ohio. And the eighth grade, 
know this. It was the eighth grade I took home ec. I started to the, went down to the high, started at the high school. And uh, we had projects each year. We had a, a cooking project. We would cook so much, so many meals, and and we learned to can, and we learned anything that you do in a home, and then we sewed. Well, we had to take projects in the summertime because it was you had to get a credit, and it took summer and winter to get your credit. Anyway, I decided to take sewing in my, for my project, and I made a, a quilt. Tell me where the fabrics for that quilt came from. I don't know. I don't know where I got the material. I'd bu- we bought it someplace, but I don't remember where we got it. I don't remember buying the material. But I know we bought it. it And I decided to take, make a quilt and quilt it. So I pieced the quilt and applied on the material, the background, and quilted it. I can't, I can't remember. But then. I said, well, I'd make a quilt, I'd make a pair of pillows, which I made the pills too. During the summer, we picked the, we had geese, and we picked, I picked the geese. Of course, my grandmother and my mother helped me, and we, I made the down pillows. I got a pretty good grade on my. And then I had to take it. I believe the home ec teacher come to our house and seen what I my project. She had to visit the pair, the girls, and and see their project that they would work had worked on. And I got a pretty good grade on it. And the pattern of that quilt is a. It's a dressing plate, and it's just a circle, and and it's a piece circle. Um, once that quilt was finished, did you use it? Well, I wore it out. We wore it out. It's getting pretty. It's pretty raggy, but I can't throw it away. It still has a place, <laughs> and that it would have been. Let's see. I must have been six. We moved there in thirty six, thirty seven, Thirty-eight. I must have been about thirty-nine, thirty-eight, nine when I made the, when I made my first quilt, nineteen thirty-eight and thirty-nine. So then I had to quit quilting too much. I went to school. I would quilt on my mother's quilts at home, my sister's quilts. If she was making one, I'd sit and quilt up with hers, on hers. But I didn't make any more quilts for a long time. What did you do when you graduated high school? I got married. I graduated high school in 42. 
and got married. We graduated in May. I think it was May the 21st. Got married in uh, July the 11th, 1942. So I wasn't home long after I got married. I knew I was lived in the country. I knew they didn't have money for me to go to school. So what could I do? And I'd met my husband in, when I was in the seventh grade. So I'd gone with him, and then we moved back and went back to West Virginia when I was a, after my first year of high school. We moved back to West Virginia, and I went to school and graduated. And, and we would write every once in a while, or or they'd come, his family had come to our house in West Virginia a time or two. And, and then we sort of got, he went his way, I went mine. And uh, I finished school. I sent him a graduation card when I graduated from high school. But we'd, wrote, we'd written letters in between, off and on. And uh, when we first started going together, he would walk me to church when we went to church in, in Ohio. And we lived right next to the church. He'd come down, and we would either walk to church or else ride to church and, with his mom and dad and their family. And So he was from Ohio? He, was, he lived in Ohio, yeah. But he was born in West Virginia, North Ravenswood. Really? And they moved, then they, they, uh, moved to Ohio. They had to build them a new house. Now, I read, I ran across this in my pictures. They ran across, I got, he got a birthday card. I don't know, since we've lived here from his mother, and she told him the story of his, of his birth. They lived down in Ravenswood, and they had built a house in North Ravenswood, they walked up the railroad track when she they had one child, Mayford. They walked up the railroad track to the new house. They had moved. And she was pregnant. And that night or evening, he was born. And uh, she said she was, she was really, so I guess his dad went to get help and the doctor, and he was born that night after they walked up the road. And then they sold that place and moved to Ohio when he wasn't very big. They hadn't lived there long. He traded, his dad traded the, his dad traded the house for a team of horses, and a, and part of the farm, and then they had bought the farm. I don't know how they got the farm, but they had the farm in Ohio, and that's where they moved. And uh, so, when you made that first quilt, you already knew your husband to be. No, he. We did. No, I didn't know it was going to be my husband. Then, of course, didn't know that until. I graduated from high school. It was about 
long about uh, early spring when he began writing to me. Now, he had a picture of you from 7th or 8th grade, right? And did yes. his family suffer a loss? Yes, they did. They lost their whole their home, their, where, the, where they moved to when he was a baby. And the house burned, and I think it was the flu where it caught. And they got a few things out, but not much out of the house. And he, uh, they, the boys, well, they had, they had seven. They, well, they, all the kids were born. There was seven in his. He had all, was it seven brothers? Six brothers and one sister. And uh, so his dad come out and they didn't have any place to go, so they moved in the old schoolhouse where I went to school in the seventh grade. They wasn't having school there then, so they let them move in it, and that's where they lived until they built them another house. And uh, let's see, they had uh, the neighbors, I guess, come and helped move when they seen the fire. Anyway, when his dad come out after they had, the fire was probably still burning, but they couldn't get in. He handed my picture to Jimmy and said, here, I saved this. It was on the mantel, and he had saved it. So I still have it. It, And then it was after, it was a good while, a few years after that. I was in school, and the bus went across on one side of the river, and you could see their house on the other side of the river. So we seen where the fire was when we went to school that morning. It was... It's... Fires are bad. <laughs> Devastating, probably, to lose your home. Mm-hmm. It, it seems to me like it would be. Mm-hmm. I think it would be terrible. So then you... You moved back to West Virginia. I was we was living in West Virginia when they had their farm. Okay, but he was still in Ohio. Uh huh. He I lived. See. He lived in Ohio. They I lived see. in Ohio. Okay. And we lived in West Virginia. Okay. How did you guys begin to correspond? How did you? Well, he wrote letter, We wrote letters a few times after we. For, for after we first moved to West, back to West Virginia, we wrote letters for a while, and then we quit writing letters. I guess he went his way, I went mine. We wasn't close together. We was close together, but we didn't see each other until we was older. Mm-hmm. And he come up here to work. Or he moved some. Uh, he moved his cousin up here, and the cousin didn't have money to send him back home, so he got a job, and he went to work. Well, he was—I think he was only 
seventeen or so, seventeen or probably when he moved moved up, the people up here, and he got a job at the cement plant over in Fairborn, mowing grass. He wasn't old enough to work in the fa- in the factory where they made the cement, but they they would let him work in mow grass. Well, he took that job, and then he the war was going on. And they was a hiring at the field, so he he went to work at Wright Pattern at Patterson Airfield. They hired him before the war, but well, while the war was going on, because they was hiring a lot of people, so he was working there. And his dad worked at the cement plant, and he said something about me about me, and so. His dad said, well, why don't you write to her? So he wrote to me, and we started writing then, and that was in, that was in 41. And he come back down home. See, we dated a few times when he had a weekend, a long weekend. We dated a few times, but not long till we were married. How did you know that you would marry him? I just always... I, I always thought a lot of him. I always thought. And I thought a lot of his family. They were a nice family. Was, I don't know, I guess. <laughs> I hadn't met anybody else. I, in fact, I was dating somebody when I, when I was writing letters to him, but that didn't pan out. Did he ask you to marry him? Yes, he did. How did that go? He didn't get on his knees. We had gone, we had gone to the show one night, and on the way home, there's a big tree, and we stopped at that big tree and talked, and sat there and talked a while, and he asked me to marry. And I didn't agree right the first thing, but I agreed soon after, you know. Did you talk it over with your family? How did you tell them? I eloped. They didn't know. They, didn't. they knew. They knew we were engaged. But he come on Saturday, and we was or he come on he come on Friday evening, and he was at my house overnight. He was allowed to stay back then because he couldn't get back across the river the ferry quit running so we got up the next morning and said we was going to get out police and we was he was we was taking Mayford and Wilma to Galpolis and they went with us to get married so we picked them up and went to Galpolis and was married in Galpolis and then went back home was scared to go home but Mayford had told everybody before we got home, and we didn't get to. We didn't get to tell. We didn't get to tell. Well, my mother, grandmother wasn't, or they wasn't too happy, but they wasn't. They didn't say anything to us. So from there, did you stay? Did you live at home for some time more? How did? No, how did we left on to... Sunday and come up here. We left on. Sunday morning and come up here and I thought to myself on the way it was so hot and we had a flat tire or two maybe 
maybe two flat tires because you couldn't get tires then. You couldn't get lots of things because the war was going on. And so we come up here, and he where, lived in the house where he was 11 when, when we uh, got home. So that was our home. We come home. Now, was he in the service? No. That was in July. He went to the service in 19 and in November of 1942. On our first Christmas, I didn't know where he was. Because a troop train had picked him up. He was stationed. He was stationed at Wright Pat for a little while. They said if he was working there, he'd be stationed there. Well, he was stationed there just a short few weeks. And when he left for service, he left from down home, from Pumroy. And I stayed at my mother's. I was at my mother's, and then when he got stationed, sent back to the field, he called, and I, they was he, they, he was back at the field. So I come up here. I come back up here, and uh, Dale sold papers in Fairborn. He was in the grades. He was in grade school. I don't know, maybe fourth or fifth grade, and sold papers. And he come to the house and said, uh, the troop train is loading, and says, Jim's on the troop train. He's getting on the troop train. Well, we went to the down from Fryan Avenue down to the railroad to see the troops leaving, and uh, he was already on the plane, on the train. That's when the, they shipped their troops by train. And his dad lifted me up, and he opened the train door, and he kissed me goodbye. And it was uh, it was Christmas, just a few days, just few, very few days before Christmas. And so I didn't know where he was. He, they wasn't, they didn't know where they were going. They didn't know where the train would end up. They didn't know at all where they would go. What was your life like as a sort of new bride with a husband in the service? What did you What did you do? Well, I was up there. I got a job at the field. Right, Pat? Yes, but I didn't work but about maybe two months. And he was stationed at Biloxi, Mississippi, and he called. He was at Biloxi. And I could, I could come. So I visited once or twice, and then I went to went and stayed. So I lived in Biloxi for nearly two years. And we had, we had a gym while we lived down there. And I was away from home, having a new baby, and that was a pretty scary life part of the time. But you know, I don't think I was as scared then as it would be if I was going away now to live or off on a troop train and never ridden on a train. I'd never ridden on the bus. And then to start off that distance, that was a long trip. <laughs> but I wanted to go, and he wanted me to come, so that's where I went. 
Now, when you worked at Wright Pat, what was your position? What did you do? I learned to solder lugs on wires. <laughs> I think it was for uh, lights that went on the airplanes, where they they had people to just solder wires. Well, that's what they put me to doing. And we had to... No, it wasn't a very good life. But I didn't do it very long, so... Then after we went to Biloxi, before I got pregnant, I worked in a restaurant. I made enough money in a week to pay my week's rent. So that's where my my money went. I paid my rent. And, of course, I could eat at the restaurant where I worked. So we didn't have to buy food, very little bit of food. And he was, he could live off base. He didn't have to be on base, so. It was, it was good to be with him. I wouldn't have traded it for nothing. But I missed home. He missed home. We both missed home. I'm satisfied, but we was, if he had to be in service, it was good to be with him. How did you know that his service was coming to an end? How did I know? Well, he never went overseas. He was lucky he had finished his... I had to come home when he was going to school because he wanted to know I was home, you know. And we had to save enough money for a ticket home from wherever we wherever we lived so I could get home. And he finished his ball tour, well, in Louisiana. He went to Louisiana while I was with him in Louisiana and uh, for a good while. And he was going to ball, he was going to gunnery school. And he finished his gunnery school and was waiting to be shipped out when the war was over. And then they didn't take him. But he was lucky. So you had one son. At that I point. had one son, and then I had a daughter in Louisiana. Well, I didn't have her in Louisiana. I come home. Something tickle. I I come home and was living in Fairborn when uh, my second baby was born, and she was born in over in Dayton. But he was home on leave while I was, when I was expecting her, he'd figured his leave so that they, he could get a furlough. And so he was home with me when she was born. She was born in, in Dayton. And then uh, he went back to service, and the war was over then. So, you know, he could get a furlough and be home and, and then he had to go back. Then I think he went back to to Florida, and he worked there until they was he was discharged. So during that, and he time, was discharged in March. She was born in January, and he was discharged in March, I believe. No, I was in sir. He was in service while she was. He was still in service while she was a baby. 
So you lived in Ohio, and you had two youngsters, and he was in service in Florida. Was any of your family in Ohio? Who did you? His dad lived. Uh, he lived with us. His, yeah, his dad lived with us and worked over there. And he, uh, well, his mother was there part of the time. And your family was still in West Virginia. Uh huh. And so when he came back from Florida and he was discharged from service, how did life proceed from there? Well, we built a bigger house in Fairborn. I had in 18 months I had another baby after he come from service. I had the, the two girls then and the, my son. And he was home, but he worked all the time. We, I, I don't know. He he built houses. He went back to work. Finally went back to, he, well, he was going to draw his, some retirement, but, or what wouldn't be retirement. I don't know what it was he was going to draw, but they was hunting him a job. And so they got him a job on the, jail, on the railroad track, and he didn't want to work on the railroad. He was going back to the field to work. So he went back to the field work after he was discharged. He worked at the field and he built houses. We did, he done any worked all the time. So uh, now, when Melva was born, she was born in a car on the way to the hospital. So we didn't get to the hospital to get her. She and pulled back in her driveway, and a neighbor that lived. Right with us there in the same house, in a one side of the house we lived in the other side, and uh, she was there. And well, the baby had already been born, and the doctor come to the house, and I got up and walked out of the he 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 cut the cord and handed the baby to Verna. And she says, what am I supposed to do with her? She didn't know. And she had one child, and she had a boy just a little older than mine, a little about the same age of mine. And then she was expecting. And this, her baby was born after mine. She says, what am I supposed to do with her? But we got along fine. And then... We decided he decided to build. He had a lot. He had bought a lot on the corner of Fran and South Central. So we built a house there, and then we come over here. We've lived here ever since, and that was 1951 when we come here. So when you um, had this place, did you have some land, and you had four kids at that? We time? bought. We bought. Two acres. We had two acres here. Mm-hmm. Now, I still have the two acres mm-hmm. and the two houses. We did. We bought that ha- big house up there when we lived in the first house on my two acres. We bought the that big house went up for sale, and we bought it and uh, lived there until the kids were all gone. After they left, he had had heart attacks, so. He had had two heart attacks, and I said, we don't need the steps to run up and down to the bathroom, and we don't need the house, and so we decided to sell it. 
and built this house here. And uh, I've lived here ever since. So during the time that your children were young, there was definitely no time for quilting, but you did make some of their their clothes. I made I made all the biggest end of their clothes when they was in a grade school. I would I would make get a piece of material or make maybe two or three dresses, and they all three of the girls dressed got a dress just alike, made just alike, off of learn? the same pattern. I had the pattern so I could double it, and and I would come up with a little difference of, from one dress, one of their dresses, you know, not separate. They all had the same little decoration on them, and I puckered the hem up and tied a little ribbon up here, made a buttonhole, and tied a little ribbon so that made a little. They remembered their dresses. And after they got in high school, then they had some bought clothes, but they still had, they still had homemade clothes. And they sewed, would make some of their dresses. They sewed with you? Mm-hmm. Did they make any baby doll clothes? Not as many as I made. They always had dolls, but they just didn't seem to have time to sew dolls. I can't remember making much doll clothes, but I made doll clothes for their dolls. I made doll clothes for my dolls. I've made doll clothes for my grandkids' doll, dolls. So you mentioned... <clears throat> um, I, I think this is by the time everyone had moved out, the kids had flown from the nest, um, your husband would take care of the dishes. Well, that was after the kids were gone, and I I had was working. I worked at school in the cafeteria. I cooked at school and uh, worked at McKinley School. And then I'd come in from work, and we worked, I think, about seven hours a day. And I would fix supper, and then he would say, well, if I had a quilt, was working on a quilt and had one in the frame, well, you can go quilt. I will, I will clean up the kitchen. He done a better job cleaning up the kitchen than I did. He done a good job. And he would cook. He would cook some, but uh, and if he had company during the day, he'd he'd fix a meal for them, like his sister or someone had come. He'd and the girls got so then they'd come every. I don't know. They would come for lunch. They was working in Xenia or Yellow Springs or someplace. The two of them would come for lunch, and he'd fix lunch for them. And he always had. He always cleaned up after he fixed lunch for. Do you remember what inspired you to make your first quilt after the kids left? It was an applique quilt, right? It was an applique quilt. I don't remember what it was. I know which one it is, but I don't remember the name. Uh, I just always liked to quilt. Did I... I pieced a quilt. I pieced. 
I had some quilts, made some quilts while I was still working, two or three. And uh, I just always liked to do it. That's what I learned to do, and I like to do it. And I take them to school and show them to the girls that I worked with. I know I've made, I know I made two or three. I know the rose, the garland of roses. I'm not sure, but I think I had made that while, while I worked. And I made the first one while I worked. That I made the applique one. How did you find the quilt patterns? I bought kits. I bought the kits from Hirschman catalog. I'd order a kit, and then I'd sit down and, and make it. In fact, I've ordered all of them. All my applique ones I ordered, and all my cross-stitch ones I've ordered. But my piece, the ones that are pieced, I just get that pattern out of a, out of a mag, not a magazine, out of one of my quilt books, and cut out my pat. The patterns would be there. And I've got books down there that's, Quilt books. I've got that box right sitting over there. That's full of quilt magazines. I wouldn't throw away because there's quilt patterns in them. It just, I, I couldn't throw them books away. I still get them out and look at them. And uh, the ones that are pieced, I piece. And a lot of, the biggest part of them I piece by hand. I've, I've pieced one or two partly by on the sewing machine but I'd rather sit I like sewing by hand rather than sitting down and piecing things on the sewing machine I don't like that so you um, you went through a process of making a few applique quilts and a few pieced quilts and your mom was also quilting and she had she was doing some piece work um, was she still in West Virginia at this time? Yes, she lived in West Virginia, and my daddy had died. She lived by, she lived by herself. He died. I I don't remember how many years. I can't. I've got it down in there. I don't remember what. I think it was in the seventies when he died. Seventies. So. And uh, she lived by herself, and she had to. She done, done quilts then because she could see to sew and and that helped her pass her time and and so she gave her quilts away. I'm too stingy to give mine away. <laughs> I guess I will someday, but uh, I haven't given any mine away except my babies. My grand, great grandbabies' quilts. I've made quilts for them. I've made a quilt for each one of them. So, in some of those quilts that you and your mother made, um, especially the ones that she pieced and you quilted, um, well, she would give me. She gave me a top. After we was married, she had one partly, partly done, and I asked her. I said, "Mom." Could I have that quilt if I finish it? And she said, yes. I think it was a fan quilt, if I remember. I think it was my fan quilt. That I don't think you got a picture of it. 
I finished it and kept it for years before I ever quilted it, long time before I ever quilted it. In fact, I think I had two that I, two pieces tops that she had given me that I just folded up and put away and one of them was one of them might have been the, I don't I don't know whether it was my uh, snowball could have been the snowball that I pieced at the years after she had given me the top she gave you a Lone Star quilt when was that? The pink and white Lone Star. Well, I think she gave that to me. It would have been after we, while we was living up at the house, up the big house up there, is the year she gave it to me. And I don't think we moved. I don't know what year we lived there. I'd have to get out paperwork or stuff to figure out when we lived here. She was in the 60s, 60. It would probably be around the 60s when she gave it to me. And then she gave you another, another, is it a double wedding ring or um, a Dresden for Christmas? It's colorful. She gave me, she gave me the star quilt that was for Christmas one year. She gave me all the Dresden plate. Was that the one I finished? I think so. You had to do some fancy quilt work. Oh, that was a star. That was actually a flower quilt. Yeah. Turn it off. Let me think a minute. Well, that's the reason I make the quilts, to have a piece of the dresses. If I'd had, if I'd kept all the pieces I made for the girls when they little, I'd had lots more. But somehow or other, I don't know what happened to all my scraps. But some of them is pretty old. Some of the some of the pieces. Well, your your grandmother's quilt, the feed sack quilt, the nine patch, is made of feed sacks, and we we talked about that those were from, you know, those those were real feed sacks that were saved and used. Um, but in some of the other quilts, there's also a lot of dresses. Some of your grandmother's and your mother's dresses, and then later on in your own work, there are your dresses. Um, what do you think the significance of of um, using scraps and and reusing fabric from from clothing? What's the significance of that? It's not not all contemporary quilt makers do that these days. I think it's nice to think back of the dresses they had made out of the material. You can look at lay down on a quilt and. They there and look at the different dresses and think of different people, and who had a dress off of that piece of material, and, and maybe how the dress was made, maybe the pattern they used. It's just it's interesting. That brings back 
memories of of people that's long gone. And that means a lot to a person after they've been gone for years. That It brings back memories that happened when you, when you was little. Some of them when you were little. And seeing your own fabric in your own quilts probably brings back memories of. Have uh, you look back and you think of dresses you made for certain, certain girls. Or, or yourself, or, you know, it just, I, things that nobody can take them away from you, you, you remember that. Mm-hmm. So the first quilt that you made, um, the, the first kit that you ordered was an applique quilt called Progress. Do you have any thoughts on making that quilt? Did that kind of open up a whole new world? That opened up a whole new world. And I thought, will I ever get it done? How do I do it? And I got my kit and opened it up and went through it. And I thought, all them little pieces, all the little pieces was on different pieces of material. And you had to cut them out, out far enough so you would have a, you could turn the edges down around, and you had to decide which piece was to be put down first because you had to put each piece or it wouldn't be right. And uh, so I had to, I had to work on it. <laughs> I had a lot of studying to do when I first made the first one, the first applique. Because I'd never applicated, I'd applicated some, but I'd never applicated like a quilt. And one, maybe there'd be four or five pieces, one piece on top of the other piece, the piece before. And I, then I would go, I would piece, cut them out and have the, enough to turn under a little bit. And I'd baste around that, then I'd baste around. Then I would pin them or sew or baste them to my. Just depends on what kind of a piece, what shape piece it was, whether I pinned it on or whether I basted it on before I applicated it. I was good while making it. When for you my do first the, one. when you do the applique, do you turn it under with your needle as you go? No, well. If there's a little place that's not basted, I usually do take my needle and tuck it under. And, and how do you baste it? How do I baste it? Well, I just make a bigger stitch than I was I would make if I was applicating it. So you would fold the edges under and baste it down. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Would you iron the edges down? Not really. I could just fold them down and kind of do it with, press them with my fingers, press them down. And they'd usually stay enough that I could sew. 
but it was easier if I did baste them. And I basted it. I basted most of them. So you've made a number of applique quilts. There's a, a garland of roses. There's the tree of life. There is the um, magnolia. Purple. Mm-hmm, the magnolia, but the purple one is all applique. The purple one is called <clears throat> daisy. The wild daisies, I believe. That's not it. That's it. Wild daisy. Do any of those quilts stick out in your mind? They all stick out in my mind. But the one you're working on is the prettiest. Every one you work on is the prettiest. Now, I don't know why. And it's... The Tree of Life, that was a that was a hard one. Wild Daisies was a pretty one. It was a hard one. Especially the center. And I usually start on the edge or the border around the bot around the edge of it. And kinda of get a hang of it and and by the time you get to the harder part then it's easier. The Tree of Life, um, there's a lot of embroidery. There's a lot of embroidery on it. But now they now they sell the Tree of Life that's, I don't know if it's cross-stitch or if it's embroidery. I was looking through a magazine the other day, or a book here the other evening, and it's a cross, either cross-stitch or embroidery. I don't know which it is. But it's a Tree of Life. They don't have that one in the book anymore. So. The Garland of Roses, or which is this? Garden Treasures. Also, actually, it is the Garland of Roses. has a lot of embroidery as well on the flowers. Very detailed. Mm-hmm. There's a, a, some of them has a lot of embroidery on it. So what's your process? You first do the piecework. If oh, you do some? you do the piecework first. Then I usually I don't remember how I did do that, but I must have when I do run rows, I'd probably embroider it at the same time. At the same time you applique. Mm-hmm. After I'd get that rose done, then I'd probably I would uh, do my embroidery work on it and go to the leaves. Maybe I'd make three or four leaves, and then I'd do embroidery work on them. Before I left this corner piece, I'd have all my embroidery work done on it. And even the little, even the little ones, I usually, I would do them. If I, because it was too easy to miss a spot that needed to be embroidered, so I'd do one rose embroidered. One, two or three leaves and embroidery them if they were right together. And this up here, I don't. I. It's been a long time since I made that one. So, um, when you, I, I mean, over time, you have created a pretty serious body of work. I mean, you you have made a lot of 
heirloom quality quilts. Um, what do you think, what does quilting mean to you? I mean, how, how would your life be different if you didn't have this craft? I'd get pretty bored here by myself if I didn't, if I didn't, uh, have something to work on. And I enjoy sewing more than anything else. I, I read some, but I enjoy sewing. Sewing passes the time for me. And when you're here by yourself, you have to do something. You have to have some kind of a hobby to pass time. And when you make something you're proud of, you, you like to show it to people. And I like to take them. I like to take my quilts down to church, have them on the t- table up on the up front for a month or so. How did that begin? They asked me at church, and it, they decided one of the ministers decided that it would be nice to put a quilt on the on the table up front. And so, who had? Uh, they asked who had quilts. I said, "Well, I've got a quilt." So I took. I took, I'll bring one. So I took one down, and they all liked it, and they'd, they took pictures of some of mine. It was on the pulpit. I ran across pictures in there. And uh, someone asked me at church a week or two ago if I didn't have a quilt I could bring. I said, I'm working on one. So this one will probably go to church when I get it done. You like to show them to people, and it helps to pass your time. What would I do here all the time if I didn't have my soul today? Do you feel like some quilts still challenge your skills? Do you still learn more as you quilt? Well, yes, you learn a little bit every year, every, every time you make one. And I had you. I don't know. This one has been the hardest. <laughs> if my eyes holds out, I guess I'll quilt all my days as long as my eyes hold out. Because I've had a cataract surgery in both my eyes, and. I don't see as good as I did. I I don't make as good as small stitches as I used to make. Well, you sure thread a needle quick, and your stitches look great to me. (laughs) It's beautiful work. So today in in home economics, they don't necessarily... They don't teach stuff like they did back then. The schools doesn't. They've taken so much out of the... out of school and I think they need it because I've got I've got uh, granddaughters or let's call them granddaughters-in-law that don't sew a button on my grandson brings these shirts up here every once in a while and wants a button sewed on them and I've done mending for them you know Maybe sew on buttons or sew up a hole or something. I've even put a patch on for. <laughs> but they don't. They don't teach that anymore. 
They don't teach that a lot of stuff that they should. What do you think is lost when, you know, entire generations don't learn either basic skills or hobbies, art? There'll be a lot of things they've lost. They... They, I don't know. Maybe they won't know they've lost it. Maybe they'll all be gone by then. Great grandkids growing up. I wonder will they be sewing? Will yours? When they grow up. I hope so. Well, I hope you teach it too. Because if you don't, you, they're missing something. A sense of a job well done, if nothing else. Yeah. And I'm proud of every one of mine. I Someday I hope my kids are. Pretty sure they already are. <laughs> <laughs> so other than the quilts that you have made for, for grandkids uh, to give away as gifts... You pretty much have all of the quilts that you've made. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Talk to me about that. Well, I could have given the kids a quilt, but I I'd, I wanted them taken care of. And if I gave them to them, and they had them on their bed, and a dog happened to jump up on them, that would hurt my feelings to think of the hours I had put in working on that, and then a dog or a cat jump up on my bed, up on their bed. I couldn't stand that. So I decided I would wait until I wasn't. <laughs> I wasn't around to see if, uh, the, my quilts abused. I didn't want one of them abused, not one of them, even a little old. Nine pats or four pats. And I'd think of all the hours I put in piecing it and quilting it. And I don't, I think they'd take better care of them than that, but it would hurt my feelings if I, they didn't. And I don't want to see them. So, and so I thought, well, I could give one away. I could give. I could give four of them away. They'd make nice Christmas presents, but I don't, I don't know how I'd decide which one to part with or which one to give which. They've told me, Mother, you you just sit down and decide which one goes where. I can't. I can't yet. Maybe someday I will be able to. But... So far, I haven't decided. And it just, I don't know. I don't know how I'll, how they'll decide. But they're just, it'll be hard. So your quilts here, you rotate them on your bed sometimes. I have flower gardens on my, on my two front beds. Now, we, it, Howard, or Augie and me, or Michael and me, decided we'd put different quilt on. And here we all had them all bagged up and put away, but the flower gardens. 
So we put the flower garden on each bed, each of the front beds. I didn't change mine. I changed the two front beds. I said, well, that's kind of winter. They're dark. Let's put them on. So that's the ones we put on. We had the rest of them put away. And we wasn't long getting them put away. But I said, well, since they're out, we'll just have them. Tell me how you, um, how do you keep them? How do you store them, your quilts? I just fold them up and stick them up a spot where I've got a place. I usually put them in pillowcases, the, mainly the white ones. And uh, fold them, put them up in the closet, up in the top of the closet. And some, I've got a, a quilt rack in there, and I hang two or three on it and leave them out when you can get in my bedroom, in the front bedroom. Do you think that um, seeing the wear on the quilt that you made while you were still in school um, sort of brought you to... To your thinking about your quilts, most of them they have not been washed at all. Right? I have washed one of my, mm-hmm. one that I've made. Now I've washed the ones that my mother gave. Well, I've washed one of them that Mom gave me, but I don't usually use hers. I fold them up and put them away too. So I guess they'll be listed right in with mine. But I. I think they will know which ones that she made because they have been you the ones that she has given me mostly except the star now I haven't used it on my beds but some of them that she'd give me a long time ago I've used them I've used them a lot but I, when you have blankets you don't you don't use your quilts maybe put one quilt over top of a blanket and But some of them, I've got one in there on the bed now. But well, the one my grandma made is on my bed, and it's been washed several times. But it, you know, it held up pretty good. And every stitch of it is by her hand. The. Uh, I don't know how many more I'll make. <laughs> I don't. I guess maybe that's the reason I was looking at the catalog the other night. I, when I get this one done, I won't have nothing to work on except my pieces sitting around, and I'll try to piece some. I might piece some on the saw machine. Who knows? I might. I might just cut some squares out and sew them together and piece them. Maybe I'll knot, knot a quilt. I've never knotted a quilt. And it might be nice to knot a quilt. Might switch it up a bit. Huh? Yeah, that might change it, but I don't know. I guess you could put it on the frames to knot it, couldn't you? I think so. Um, you have to baste it out somehow, right? Well, you just take great big stitches, and you could all you'd almost take make it in squares, wouldn't you? And just sew 
squares of material together and then put a knot in each block. Mm -hmm. The corner of each block or something? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. When, well, if your squares are small enough, you could put, you could put it in the middle of, right. of the square, but you'd have different batten on, in your quilt. Mm -hmm. It would be a heavier batten, mm -hmm. and you wouldn't wash it. Well, I guess you'd wash it. But people used to knock lots of quilts. Yeah. A lot of log cabins and things were tied. Uh-huh. Yeah. Hmm. Um, <clears throat> we talked about one thimble. Did you get another thimble? The one thimble was a gift from your grandmother when you guys went. Oh, I've had ma many thimbles. Yeah. I've wore out two or three or four thimbles, mm -hmm. made holes in the ends of them. Mm -hmm. And uh, you have, my, my finger's not very big. Mm -hmm. A thimble don't fit. So when I'd wear out one, I'd have another one and I'd fall back on it. I don't know how many thimbles I've had in my time. I've had lots of them. And uh, then my thimble I'm using now is the one I got for a, a what do I want to say? When I went to Michael and Stacy's wedding, I wanted a souvenir, and we went through a store that had all kinds of different things that you could buy, and I bought me a silver thimble. I said, I've never had a silver thimble. Mine's all been just thimbles that holes come in. I'm going to buy that symbol, silver thimble. And it's pretty shiny, isn't it? It's lovely. It's got a little ridge around the edge of it right along there. It's beautiful. And it's easy to separate from the other old thimbles I've had. So That's a nice thimble. I'm proud of that thimble. And tell me more about your frames. Um, I think I got some of the story earlier, but the frame that you are working on right now is made by your husband and yourself out in the... Out in the garage. Mm -hmm. And we all, we went... You didn't get that story? I did get that story, I think. Yeah. Well, we got the pattern off of the old, the, the, the frames that my mother had given me after she quit quilting. I asked her if I could have her quilt. If she would let me have her quilting frames, well, yes, you can have them. So I have them up in the garage, and we got took a pattern off of them so they would... I would have them bigger than fit quilts now, rather than uh, just a regular quilt that wasn't made very big when they didn't have big beds. Well, it seems to me that you don't have a regular frame and you don't have any regular quilts. It's all just excellent. Well, I'm proud of my frames. I wouldn't take nothing but the frame, but when my daughter come out and helped me put my fat my first quilt in this frame, she says, Mother, I'm going to write down on these frames. You bequeath these frames to Helen. <laughs> so it's written on, <laughs> it's written on these frames. 
on this long, one of these long pieces. She says, when you're done with them, I want them. Now, I don't know whether the other girls will want them or not, but she can loan them. They can all three use them because they're not going to have a quilt in the frame at the same time. So I suppose that's on this, so on these frames. I said, well, somebody could get them little old frames up in the garage. They could have them too. That would be, they'd be big enough to make the baby's quilts, the, the grand, great-grandbaby's quilts, or my great-great-grandbaby's quilts. They'd have to put new cloth on the frames, fasten. And I used safety pins. I bought safety pins to pin my... I used to go down and sew my lining to the I don't know what you call this muslin muslin lining and then I seen where they had safety pins that you could pin your quilts to the muslin so I ordered me some of them and they are I have them pinned they're in that little white box right there Mm -hmm. and I pin I put them all about this close together on both sides and then I pin my I don't pin the batten but I pin the quilt top to that on this side I don't fasten that side and that's how I keep them fastened to my frames but they have to be fastened pretty tight so you can roll them but I never used I've used pins the last two or three years, three or four years maybe. Safety pins. And they are a different shape safety pin than the... Uh, do you use pins? I do have some safety pins that are sort of bent. Yeah. That's the ones. They they have a crook in them. Mm-hmm. And that's the ones I, I have. And it makes it lots faster. And it's it works okay, but it works just as good as a sewing, but it don't take us quite as much time. And I usually use a darning needle when I would sew my lining in. I'd use a darning needle and maybe crochet thread, and that would be strong enough to hold them where you wanted them. Mm-hmm. You got them wound, got them started to be rolled. Right. I don't think I mentioned the safety pins Mm-mm. and how I fastened my quilts in. Mm-mm. Glad we got that. Is there any other thing that you can think about from, you know, some significance of a particular quilt or maybe a phase in your life of quilt making that was, you know, memorable or different than another? Um, any other sewing gear that has significance? Um, well, that's my sewing machine. Uh, Jimmy got me my first, well, my first sewing, I, I don't know where I, we come up with the first sewing machine. I don't know where I got my first sewing machine. It was a treadle machine. My mother always had a treadle machine until she 
till she decided she wanted a electric sewing machine. Uh, and one time, my old sewing machine that I, my treadle machine that I always sewed on, I don't know where I got it. And I don't remember my first one. But I'll have to think on that. One Christmas, I I asked, well, the only thing I'd like to have for Christmas is a sewing machine. I'd really like a sewing machine. And that was in, there went a rab, a bird, a big bird. He passed right Right outside the window? Right outside. Mm -hmm. It looked like an owl or something. Anyway, I said one year, well, I really need a sewing machine because my sewing machine's not working very good. The kids were, Lucy was a baby then, and so that would have been about 52 or 3, 51, 52 or 53. And so Jimmy bought me a sewing machine for Christmas and had it hid over there when we had the store, had it hid. He had piled, they delivered it, he piled toilet paper around it, all around it in the store. And I didn't know it was there. I worked in the store every day, but I didn't move the toilet paper. And there was my sewing machine. So I had a new sewing machine, and that was about 51 or 52. Well, I've, I've had a different head put on it. But that one that I've got on there now, I've had it, I don't know how many years. And it's it's a singer. It's a, not a singer. It's a Sears Roebuck. And then my mother gave me her sewing machine. I have it in the bedroom. And it's a singer. And I it still sews. I wouldn't take anything from a sewing machine. I said I'd rather have a sewing machine as a cook stove because I'd rather sew as cook. <laughs> Even me both. I'd rather so anytime it's cooked. But that's where my that's where my first electric now that and, and I got electric sewing machine. Well my mother had her treadle machine and we was down home one day my daughter and me, the youngest one and me, we'd go home in the summertime and stay a week or two. And uh after she was, well, she was just in grade school. Her and me decided to go down home. Jimmy let us go every summer for a week or two, and I'd stay. And she had a treadle sewing machine before she got that one that I have in there. And Lucy said to her one day, "says Grandma, can I have that sewing machine?" And she said, "Well." Yeah, I guess you can. So when she gave it to her before she died, so she brought it home. Well, she was still at home when she gave it to her. And she uh, had it in her room up there at the house and kept it. Well, she, she still has it. She doesn't sew on it, but it sews. It sews good. I used to go upstairs and sit down and sew on it a good bit, but she never sewed on a treadle. She couldn't. She just didn't sew on a treadle machine. And she still got it and got the scarf that she had made to put on it. 
it had drawers on each side, and it was a, I think it's a singer. And it still sounds good. She wouldn't take nothing for the grandma's sewing machine. I was glad she gave it to her. But, uh, You're a master threader. Well, Juanita, I think between talking through the quilts the other day um, and recording everything we said then, and I think between that and everything we said today, I probably have enough to work with to make something quite interesting. You think you do? I think so. Oh, don't put stuff in there that you shouldn't. What shouldn't I? I don't know. (laughs) Okay. I don't know. I will be mindful. Is there anything else you would like to to mention about your quilts? This, I don't know. I'm proud of every one of them, and every one I make is the prettiest. Every last one I make is the prettiest. Even my son will come along. Did you quilt any today, Mother? He go, he will call. Have you been quilting today? But now, I've never seen him sit down with a needle and thread. He brings his stuff up here to get it mended. Oh, I usually tell him, well, I quilted a little. Didn't quilt much. So... And the girls has never sat down and quilted a stitch on this one. They have never offered. Not a stitch have they quilted on this one, any of them. Any of them? Any of them. Now, Lucy usually sits down, the youngest girl, Lucy usually sits down and quilts a little bit. Just a little. I've got to quilt a little bit on this one. She's quilted on part of them, but not all of them. This mm-hmm. may be a little, just just a little. But now Barb has never quilted, and I asked her the other day, what are you going to do when you retire? She's thinking about retiring. What are you going to That's the oldest. What are you going to do when you retire? I don't know. I've got lots of closets to clean and rooms to clean and things to do and stuff to sort. I said, you're not going to have a hobby like quilting or painting. She paints some. She took painting classes. You could paint. I says you have to have something to do because you get done. You get tired cleaning after so long a time. And she said, "Well, you never taught me how to quilt." I said, "I don't. I didn't teach anybody how to quilt. They just know." Well, I've never. She has never quilted. I don't think she's ever sat down and quilted any. She said, but she likes to sew, so I don't know if she'll ever quilt or not. And Melva, I don't know. She don't have time. She's got two little boys <laughs> that her and Grandpa had to take shopping yesterday, she told me this morning. She called when I was trying to get around this morning, and she was at work and said she met Grandpa and the two little boys over some target or someplace and uh, they're the ones that's in your 
little girls' class. It's enough to keep anybody busy, huh? So that she's so busy with them boys, all three of them. And the older one, he he's busy too. So they're they're all busy. Busy boys. I don't know how she works and keeps on the run with them. So I don't know whether she'll ever quilt or dot. But she likes to sew, but she she don't have time either. Mm-hmm. If somebody came and sat and. Would you have an extra needle and thread and thimble and show them how to do, or would they have to have their own piece to practice on? Oh, I've got extra needles laying here. I've got a needle up and down. If I go up there and I don't have a needle, I can always thread it. I think I put two needles out. And I've got a package up there. It's got a couple needles in. Melva sews with two long needles, though. She gets great big long needles. Mm. I can't. I have to have little short ones. That's lovely. Well, Juanita, thank you so much for bringing me into your home and showing me all of your wonderful, wonderful quilts. It's an amazing body of work, and you most definitely should be proud. Uh, I am proud of everyone, and I'm, I, I just, just like when that man asked me the other day how much I'd take for one of them, I wouldn't sell. I wouldn't sell. I'd, I'd have. I said, I'd have to get really have to have the money before I would sell. And I don't know if I could sell them then or not. I know my grandmother, Shockey, used to have quilts. And she, after Grandpa died, she lived by herself a long time and had a kind of her and didn't have any income. She sold a lot of her work. She done a lot of embroidery work, pretty embroidery work. And she sold a lot of it to have money to live on. And I think she sold her quilts. She had stacks of quilts upstairs when we'd go there. She had stacks of quilts that she'd made, and she'd done good work. I think that's where I got it from, my grandparents and my mother, because both my grandparents quilted. And embroidered. They loved embroidering, especially Grandma Shockey. Now, Grandma Reardon didn't embroider as much as Grandma Shockey, but Grandma Shockey had the prettiest. And she had scarves all over everything, and it was embroidered so pretty. In fact, I've got a little set of. I mean, I'm going to make it better. Just. I'll go get some. I think I've got a neighbor that she made, too. My grandmother, Shockey. 
And Grandmother Shockey is the same one that made the nine-patch quilt? No. Oh, this is a different Daddy's mother. mother oh, okay. Oh, my goodness, is that beautiful. Now, now them was Grandma Shockey's, and I'm satisfied she made them. But now, see, the, and she embroidered, too. She done lots of embroidery work. It's lovely. Lovely, lovely. I think these was, the, I know these come from hers, her house. They're all stained up. Oh, they're lovely. I wouldn't use them. <laughs> I just keep them put away. And then I went, went to her house one time to help her clean house. And she had done a lot of laundry and washed a lot of her of her doilies and things. So my job was to iron. And we had she kept her she heated her irons on the stove. And then, well, I didn't know. I knew how to iron, but I didn't know how to iron her embroidery suit. Her she was particular. She wanted them iron a certain way. Now she says, Juanita, Juani, you you always iron. Now when you iron your embroidery work, you iron it on this side, and it was starched. You iron it on the wrong side because, and then that makes your your pattern, your embroidery work stand up pretty. And then she says, you iron the rest of it with. I didn't iron these. You iron the rest of it with on the top side, and that makes your your material look shiny and pretty. That's the way she wanted them iron. Well, the big scars was okay to iron that way, but the little ones, and it, it does make them pretty. And she starched them. Everything was, all the doilies were starched stiff. I remember that. I was, I was, Oh, I don't know how old I'd be, probably 15 or so, 16. But that's what she told me, which which works good. And she made lots of, of knots. What do you call them? Is it called candle wicking? No, this is not, this is, this is, it isn't candle. The knots? You call them French knots. French knots, okay. French knots is what you call what she called them, and she made lots of them. It's lovely. It gives it such three dimensionality. Mm-hmm. And the embroidery work she done the embroidery work well. Mm-hmm. I done I've done scars with a little bit of embroidery work on. Is this embroidery or is this crochet? Or this is crochet. crochet. This is crochet. She's mm-hmm. made. She's made all of them, and she cut these things out, and then she punched her needle down yeah. through there and went around at once. That's amazingly intricate. I think. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because she's, uh, she's cut them out and, and done them. It's lovely. So lovely. I think I've got an apron in there that she made. Hmm. 
And it's got embroidered. She had always, both my grandmothers wore aprons. Absolutely lovely. I think they're pretty too. Clearly you have something creative running through your family. I hope it just goes on down the generation.